Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, hello, hello. Happy Monday. It's Shira and Ryan together in the studio starting the week off strong. Oh, look at us. Look at us. Ending Pride Month with each other. I mean, the only way it should be. Speaking (laughs) of... That group that um, that I went on my Israel uh, Israel trip with, mm-hmm. so like I didn't realize they had different, and this is something I meant to talk to you before, but this it's now just coming up. Okay, so they have different like WhatsApp groups. Like, oh yeah, Black they're Reality. obsessed with WhatsApp. Yeah, and I saw the LGBTQ one, and whose face did I see it? Oh, I happened. I got. I saw Shira's I face was, in the LGBTQ for some plus reason, group. I don't know, and it, I'm like, why is Shira no, in this group? I, I know. I actually forgot about it. Like, I don't even get. Me- I don't even get. Do they send a lot of messages? I don't know. I just joined them. I just. Now saw I think it. it's because I wanted to let them know, like, if for Channel Q, if they want to message me and know about, like, to promote stuff. Oh, you just wanted to come into our space. I wanted to get a sneak peek <laughs> at what was happening. That is hilarious. <laughs> Only you go through it. Like I, I'm invited I to it. so many WhatsApp I, I groups. I literally saw because I do like to see who's in there. I and know. Then I look in their photos. You're a snoop. <laughs> but um, speaking of ending Pride Month, um, Black Gay Pride is happening here in LA this weekend. So if you have anything to do, or if you don't have anything to do, stop by. There's events happening all throughout the weekend. You can find out more at LA Black Pride on Instagram. I am going to be hosting a party on the 30th at the chapel, which will be fun. It's a kickoff to LA Black Pride. I don't know why they asked me because I'd rather stay in, in the house and sit on my couch. But guess what? I'll be there. Well, I hear you're a popular black queer man. I think I'm just a popular person. I know what it happens. <laughs> but Shira's like, I'm black too. It just makes no, sense. Just, no, There's no, an alignment. It's actually quite weird because I'm like, I've never done anything like that. And then also I'm like, who am I going to invite to like come sit at a table? Well, you like, know, so you should have obviously thought of me. <laughs> First person on the list. You're so right. It was a major blind spot for me not to invite you. Although it starts at 10 p.m., which in L.A. time. That's not bad. Might as well be like 1 a.m. Thursdays are like basically people's like pre-Fridays. Yeah. Well, uh, I will try to make it. Thanks for the invite. (laughs) I'll be there in spirit. Um, So lots happening on the show today. Of course, we're going to continue talking about uh, Roe v. Wade since that's... A continued hot topic in the news and life right now. We've got some more updates. We're also going to be talking about emotional exhaustion, which I'm sure we're all familiar with right now and how to deal with it. Wow. All right. I guess we're going there. Yeah, we are. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. 
Several Democrats have called for additional seats to be added to the nine-member court, which currently has a six-to-three conservative majority. The lawmakers include Representatives Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Elon Omar, Wondera Jones, and Senators Ed Marquis and Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts. And here's what White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre told reporters. I was asked this question yesterday and I've been asked it before, and I think the president himself about do, uh, about expanding the court. That is something that the president does not uh, agree with. Uh, that is not something that he, he wants to do. Moving on to some really tragic news ha- that happened in Oslo. Oslo's annual Pride Parade was canceled on Saturday following a deadly shooting at a gay bar that Norwegian police are investigating as a possible terrorist attack. Two people were killed and eight others taken to a hospital after the shooting near the uh, London pub, which describes itself on its website as the largest gay and lesbian venue in Oslo. The suspect is being held in pretrial custody for the next month. A lawyer for the defense said his client doesn't deny being the shooter but will not provide a motive. Can yeah. we go back to President Biden saying that he that's not something he wants to do? Kind of annoying. Like, you know, there's a, there's I know there is a limited amount just because politics is politics. There is yeah. a limited amount probably that he can do, but like um That's I a do, pretty big deal. I mean, expanding yeah. the courts are like a talk, having conversations about term limits to to add to the courts are, are they should be actual conversations that we should be taking seriously, especially in the midst of these moments where our like people's rights are being like overturned and taken away and more rights to come. And mm-hmm. so I just, I I hope that we get, um, that President Biden, you know, gets a little fire behind his behind. And um, he feels that we have to do things quickly. That is true. And also AOC on Twitter posted a lot of good stuff, including like how some of them, T- possibly they've, they've done some things that they could be tried for, right? And taken off the uh, Supreme Court for. So, like, we should be yeah, bringing well, those like things up, lie? too. <laughs> like, yeah. perjury? Many things. I don't have the details right now, but, like, I think that should be taken into account, right? Including if you're going to have people on there for ha- forever, until they die or until they retire. There should be an option. Moving on, um, actually, to entertainment news right now. Thanks. Let's get into it. Okay, so Jody uh, Sweeten um, is speaking out uh, after being thrown on the ground during Roe v. Wade protests happening downtown. So um, it's time for the T Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So Jody's from Full House. If you did not know her name, without me saying Full House or Fuller House, if you watched that awful reboot. Um, well, she was walking down the side of a road in L.A. with other activists when she said, "A cop just snatched my bag and tossed me forward." Um, she said, we took care of the situation. We didn't use that as an excuse to do anything further. We continued our march, and we were out there probably another four or five hours marching downtown. Now, she's trying to shift the narrative back to the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade after she made headlines for being shoved to the ground. She said, uh, basically, that people are shocked when they see Stephanie Tanner. Something happened to her, and all of a sudden, it makes it more real. Uh, she says, I hate it. I hate that it takes people knowing someone being someone that they recognize for people to be outraged or take action. Um, she says, above all, I want to continue to not make this about me and continue to bring the focus back to women's rights and also to police brutality. Um, if you want to find out what more she had to say, head over to WeAreChannelQ.com because that story's there and the video is so like yeah. intense. I saw um, it. Yeah, uh, I saw it yesterday being circulated. 
I was yeah. surprised to see her out there. Looking for her. I mean, I, I, I'm not too shocked um, to see like celebrities out there. But coming up next, he report we're talking about Britney Spears' ex and why he's still going to be locked up for breaking in her house before Ooh. her wedding. All right. Next up, why do Democrats keep saying that Roe is on the ballot? More with Vox.com after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, many average Democrats are worried their elected officials don't have any solutions for people who need abortions right now. Because they don't. Yeah, and don't have any way to get them. They don't. Well, we're going to navigate some things that are being offered as a you know possible option or strategized among the Democrats. Joining us right now is Christian Paz, senior politics reporter at Vox, to discuss this effort from the Democrats. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So it seems like there is a strategy that's being put together among the Democrats to codify Rose protections. Can you tell us more? Sure, yeah. So that actually started a few years ago. This is the Women's Health Protection Act. Um, it passed the House a while ago, and the last time um, that the Senate took action on it was um, right after the draft opinion leaked um almost two months ago. Um, it failed in the Senate because it doesn't have the you know, 60 votes needed to uh, break a filibuster there. Um, but right now we're seeing that, uh, you know, House Democrats are slowly coming up with um, with new strategies to, uh, you know, codify some other protections and to bring that, that bill, the Women's Health Protection Act, um, back onto the floor of the House. Um, but the bigger problem here is that you know, aside from some of these, you know, some of these things are pretty symbolic because mm-hmm. they'll be able to pass the House at the national level. But whether it'll pass survive the Senate isn't totally clear because no one seems to have the appetite to really go after the filibuster um, and, and pass things by a simple majority. Yeah. Um, and it's just also representative of some other national, you know, democratic struggles right now. Well, let's actually talk about those because it seems like this strategy uh, that Democrats have now taken just telling everyone to go vote is probably not connecting with voters. And so I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about this kind of disjointed national response, as you called it in your article, um, mm, to this yeah. moment right now. Yeah. So right now, especially and especially in the few days after the decision uh, came out on Friday, um, you know, it was anger. It was fear. It was frustration. All of these very raw emotions that people um, who support abortion rights and access to the to to abortions uh, were feeling. And that wasn't necessarily being replicated among national Democratic leaders. Um, It seemed like it caught everybody by surprise. This is what I heard in a lot of my reporting from here in D.C. was, um, you know, the president had to you know, scramble to give an address. He was prepping to leave the country to go to the G7 meeting that he's at right now. The vice president was uh, going up. I think she was on an airplane. She was traveling somewhere. So she learned about it from um, from push alerts and from television. Um, the first lady was in Florida with Ron DeSantis, the governor there, because they were going to a, a memorial for the for the apartment building collapse that happened last year. Um, and most of the members of, of Congress were actually getting ready to go on their two-week vacation for the 4th of July. So a lot of senators that I reached out to were actually on airplanes or were back in their home districts. So they weren't at those protests in D.C. Um, and what we saw from House Democrats was some people were posting tweets of them doing yoga. That, that, oh, that, I saw that. that. Oh, my God. Who did that? There was yeah. someone who did that because he had just passed a resolution around gun control. And so he was celebrating, but yet couldn't. And so he's like, at least I could do this move. Like, what? Mm-hmm. No. It was it just it was so I call it tone deaf um, in, in the piece because. 
it just didn't seem like anyone had a response, like a cohesive response. We did see Republicans obviously all celebrating. Um, And what we did see was a patchwork of responses from state Democrats, from governors, um, from attorney generals, from district attorney, um, uh, district attorneys, from, um, you know, activists also. Um, But at the national level, the one message that, you know, actually will, I mean, in the long run, it does make sense. It's elect more Democrats because that's the way that you can either break the filibuster or clear filibusters in the future. That's the way that you can codify Roe and codify some of the other protections that might be on the chopping block that were signaled in some of the um, dissents um, that were written in the, in, in the Dobbs decision. Um, the problem is that none of that is inspiring. People don't want to hear that, and especially in blue states where people you know, say, I voted already, you know, we elected Democrats, or in red states where they're outvoted or um, have been locked out of the electoral system because of rules, because of disenfranchisement. Um, that doesn't provide a, a very inspiring message. Um, and that's the problem of, of, of right now that the National Democratic Party faces. Um, they have a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of time between now and the election. Uh, they want to sustain the anger that a lot of people are feeling. That anger, you know, is dangerous, though, because it can turn on them, too. Yep. Um, and uh, even if they were to win majorities or keep the majorities, um it's still you have to wait until January for them to be sworn in. And then in that time, at the very least, millions of people won't have access to this health care, uh, to this medical care. Um, and on that, that's why they're pushing the president to try to do some executive actions or try to, to take some more radical or more aggressive or bolder action there. Yeah. But then we also don't see that response from the president or from the administration. Yeah, like AOC calling on him to create abortion clinics on federal land. We can't get into that right now, but we want to thank you, Christian Patterson, your politics reporter at Vox, for being here today. We really appreciate it. We know this is a difficult time for everyone. Absolutely. Thanks again. What's coming up next, Ryan? Well, the January 6th committee announced a last-minute hearing for tomorrow after originally saying hearings were paused until July. Well, what can we expect from tomorrow? We have a reporter. Well, I guess Ryan Basham is joining yeah. us next, huh? Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The January 6th uh, Select Committee's latest public hearing on Thursday shed considerable new light on former President Donald Trump's attempts to weaponize the Justice Department in the final months of his term as a part of his plot to overturn the 2020 election and stay in power. I still feel like I'm reading some like evil like villain novel. Um, but here is a little right. bit of a clip from the last hearing because we're going to have uh, Ryan Basham, Channel Q's very own, joining us to break down that hearing and then of course what to expect in this emergency new hearing that is like coming up soon like tomorrow the president said just say the election was corrupt and leave the rest of me and the republican congressman so mr donahue that's a direct quote from president trump correct that's an exact quote from the president yes and that we had concluded based on actual investigations actual witness interviews actual reviews of documents that these allegations simply had no merit. The president asked you to seize voting machines from state governments. What was your response to that request? <clears throat> that we, had, we had seen nothing improper with regard to the voting machines, and I told them that the, the uh, real experts at that had been at DHS, and they had briefed us that uh, they had looked at it and that there was nothing wrong with the, the voting machines. All right, Ryan Basham, thanks for coming back on the show. We super appreciate it. My pleasure. 
Okay, so yeah, I mean, what we just played was from this the last uh, January 6th hearings that we did not have time to talk about because everything has been Roe v. Wade ever since that news has dropped. So bring us to what we need to be updated on. What did we find out in this last hearing? Well, you know, this last hearing was really remarkable because it they spoke to the most senior people at the Department of Justice um, as Trump was leaving office, you know, at the very end of an administration, the politically appointed people like the attorney general and stuff usually uh, leave a little bit before, not always, but usually leave a little bit before the administration is over. And then they're acting people, acting attorney general, acting assistant attorneys general. And that's who they were talking to, were the people who were in place when January 6th happened. So they're getting it, you know, from the horse's mouth, the, the most senior, most important people who were appointed by Trump. Um, to those posts uh, about what actually happened. And so this upcoming hearing tomorrow, they just announced. They're calling it an emergency hearing, and it is. They gave less than 24 hours notice. Um, and we don't know what they're going to cover. There are rumors that uh, the, they've, well, what we know is they just got recently got access to footage from a documentary that was being made about Trump's, um, you know, re-election campaign. I think it was a re-election campaign they were focusing on, but they just got access to the footage from that recently and so the suspicion is that they've learned something that's so such a bombshell from that in the last week or two that they felt it was important to go ahead and have an emergency hearing and they had already announced that they weren't going to have any more hearings until july so they've changed course because they feel like they found something so consequential they had to cover it now yeah it must be the case considering everything that's happened happening with roe v wade could this overshadow that absolutely i mean the reality is that you know Anytime something like as consequential as this happens at the Supreme Court, it starts to have a, have a ripple effect across states and their state governments and, and the rest of the federal government. And I mean, it's, you know, it can, it can cause a have, have a lot of knock on effects. So we're going to continue to hear about, um, you know, like uh, one state, a judge put their uh, abortion ban on pause uh uh, which I think you guys uh, were talking about earlier, or, or, or maybe you thought about, it, I don't know. But, but the point being, you know, these things happen a lot when a Supreme Court uh, ruling comes out because it can, because everybody else needs to know what the rules of the road are. Yeah. And so for months, we're going to have, we're going to hear about all these things happening and it's going to continue to be in the news also because it's going to impact the midterm elections in a big way. Mm-hmm. So they, they did want to cover this because they felt like it was urgent. And also, they did want to get ahead of losing the public narrative to Roe v. Wade entirely. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of the questions are still, people are wondering, is this turning out to be as effective as the committee wanted it to be? Because, you know, a lot of people had concerns leading up to this being like, oh, is this just kind of political theater? Is it really, are people that actually believe that this was an insurrection, do they need to learn more? Are they trying to change the minds of Republicans who are like sucked in to the the Trump MAGA of it all? So like, do you think this is actually, these hearings have been effective? And do you think we'll actually see anything else you know, change that effectiveness for you know, moving forward? I mean, it could because, you know, I mean, the first hearing got about 20 million views or viewers. So and that's about one million more viewers than the people who tuned into the series finale of Game of Thrones. Um, and direct ratings have dropped off like they would for any TV show since the first uh, hearing, um, but not by that much. And uh, a recent poll found that more than half of Americans are paying attention to these hearings and what comes out of them. So even though, you know, maybe tens of millions of people are watching them, many millions more are following what comes out of them. So, so far, people are paying attention. Now, 
we also know that a, there was a dramatic uptick. Like in January, something like four in 10 Americans thought Trump should be charged with a crime. Now it's six in 10. So we do know that the public attitude about all these things is shifting. And um, it well could be that they have, because so far they've orchestrated this so well, it would not be a surprise if they have deliberately planned even bigger bombshells to come out in later hearings so that it builds as opposed to fizzles out. All right. Well, Ryan Basham, thank you so much for uh, joining us to break all this down. Actually, you will be here in studio with Shira on Wednesday. So everyone stick around for that because he'll be bringing all of his political knowledge to the show. We're very excited exactly. about it. Um, and yeah, so what's coming up next, Shira? Well, next up, what did Kamala Harris post on Twitter and why is she getting dragged for it? Does she really deserve that? Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, VP Kamala Harris is facing backlash, not from necessarily the Republicans, but from liberals after she posted what many are calling a tone deaf photo of her committing to fighting for abortion rights as she herself discovered about everything that went down on Friday, watching the coverage of Roe v. Wade protests unfold. She was on Air Force Two. Mm-hmm. It seems like this was, you know, they have these reporters that follow them around with their own photographers and this was captured. Yeah, every, so, have a press yes. Uh, so she posted the photo on her official Twitter page Friday night as, of course, many were taken to the streets. She captioned it. I know there are women out there who are afraid to those of you who feel alone and scared. I want you to know the president and I are fighting for you and your rights. We are in this fight together. So um, people were not happy with this. They said it was like the equivalent to saying thoughts and prayers. Was it not? I thought it was a bit, right, so it is a bit disconnected. Like, she's not, like, in the thick of it, in the trenches of a protest. But it's also, like, this was a moment where she discovered it. It was like she was in the war room. Do you think people were asking for her to be in the trenches? Um, I think that they're saying, well, some people are like, oh, well, yeah, you're sitting there on your private jet, you know, on your big screen TV watching it. One, I think it is the call out that the administration doesn't seem to be doing enough, that they could have done more to prevent this from happening. Um, And there she is kind of looking at the fallout of all of that from her throne. Right. Like, you know, like on top of the world in a way. Do you think it's valid or not? I um, I don't I don't actually think it's the right thing to say, because I think intention matters. Like uh, and I don't. I think that that was a moment captured and that is historic. And I don't think that's bad to share that on social media. Okay, so I think that I completely understand why people were dragging her because I think Democrats are not doing anything. I think Democrats take the high road too much. And not saying taking the high road means doing something negative or not doing anything at all, but it it, it ends up being that. It ends up being the first thing that is out of our president's mouth or the first thing that is out of Nancy Pelosi's mouth is vote. When really it's just like, okay, but that's what we've been doing. That is how we've been getting to where we are. That's how the Biden administration and, and President Vice President Kamala Harris is even sitting in that space where she can look at the television on Air Force Two to be there to to you know to be in that moment, right? So I think I'm understanding why people are frustrated and why they also call them the do nothing Democrats because guess what? They don't do a damn thing. And maybe I'm I, just a little progressive. No, I mean, or a little too liberal. I, well, but obviously that's how they're I not. Feel I, I get as the anger. Who is young. The thing is, I get the anger, anger, but like, and, and the only people that can make a change right now are the people that are representing us, and if we're voting for Democrats, like, and the President Biden is the president right now, he needs to do something. So I get we get to be angry, 
Um, it's not even angry. We it's just get or, or, f- or focus and point our fingers it's at them. It's voting fatigue. But then, you can't continue to tell people to vote when nothing changes. But then, at the same time, we we have to use this moment to come together to figure out solutions together. And because in the end, but people can't do that when they're worried about. Oh, I I actually need an abortion uh, well, tomorrow, and yes. I can't get one. I actually needed food on my table. Of I actually can't afford gas but, prices to go get to my job to even be able to afford the care that I need to afford. Yeah, I, I can't even. I'm living in a state that doesn't even. They care about. Uh, you know, limiting my rights, but they don't care about the, that the foster system is crap. They don't care about the children are out here just well, not yeah, getting Yeah, who doesn't? Up, it's not know. Democrats, it's the Republicans. <laughs> yeah, so we I, need to do what the Republicans together. are doing. Rep- everybody what, together. What Republicans, as we've talked about on the show, do well is they align. They come together. And I think that we all need to align. Like, it's, this is, we're fighting the wrong fight if we're just going pointing fingers at this to take picture. take back and allow some of the progressive, more Democrats to actually create a strategy and make the, the, the change. Because I think what we saw when President Biden uh, won and also what we saw with the squad and Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi was trying to sit folks down and say, oh, well, y'all haven't been in politics as long as I have. But guess what? Sometimes it takes new uh, fresh faces and fresh ideas and fresh strategy to get the job done. And so maybe we should be listening to these younger progressive uh, candidates or, you know, legislations that are in because maybe then we can, you know, I don't know, have the same energy as Republicans who literally do whatever the hell they want to do. Well, no, they have the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the young and the old coming together in the Trumps. So they seem to be all intergenerational. Yeah. <laughs> so we get to be that too. But I, I understand the frustration. I get the frustration. However, I'm not against her posting a historic photo that will go down in history of the moment she that discovered photo, that. S- sending, uh, her standing on Air Force 2 is not a historic photo. <laughs> but it, uh, it You're will acting be. like it's the photo that got her elected. It will like, be. Like that's not a historic in, photo. The no day one, is historic and where the, the people are administration wondering where was. Vice President Kamala Harris is. She's so now no, we know. She's nowhere to be found, except for standing there watching CNN. Well, now we know. Next up on the show, more of this and more top of the hour news and what day (laughs) just became an annual holiday in Texas next. We're back. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Yes, we are back here and in the studio together. And of course, more music coming up right here on Channel Q. But right now, we're getting into some more show. How can period tracking apps be used against you as evidence? So happy we're having this conversation because yeah. I've been wondering the same thing. Uh, well, it is a new and growing concern mm-hmm. with the strike down of Roe v. Wade. So we're talking about that later this hour. But in 15 minutes, we're answering the question, when is the right time to get a COVID booster shot? Another one. And another one. And another one. It feels like it's never ending. Honestly, just keep getting them. Why? Why? Why are we? Even well, I'm wondering asking? if there's like a max or what's going on. No, I don't think there's ever a max until you know you become a superhuman. That's true. That'd and be even cool. then. That's even better. Well, let's get into somewhat trending this hour though. Right now. During former President Trump's rally in Menden, Illinois, over the weekend, Representative Mary Miller thanked Trump. And this specific statement is making the rounds. It's just the worst. President Trump, on behalf of all the MAGA patriots in America, I want to thank you for the historic victory for white life in the Supreme Court yesterday. Well, yeah, you heard it. The victory for white life. A campaign spokesperson says the lawmaker actually said uh, very clearly meant, quote, in quote, to say victory for the right to life mm, and called the incident a mishap. A yeah, right. That. As she read the speech and to suggest that she is somehow not committed to defending all life well, is disgusting. Speaking to the two white people in the room, did y'all feel seen and heard when she she made sure that. I don't want to associate myself with her. You didn't, you, you didn't, you didn't no. feel seen in her? I was like, okay. please go away okay. as far from me you as know. you can. Honestly, You I'm, are a disgrace to I'm the white happy, people. I'm happy she said what she said. I'd rather exactly. you say it up front and, and well, hide it. It was a very convenient slip of tongue, right? Nah, if that's what a slip of tongue is. <laughs> For the GOP. Now, moving on to the German Football Association this week, who issued new new regulations and rules governing all transgender, intersex, and non-binary players. The governing soccer body passed a new regulation that takes effect as of the start of the upcoming 2022-2023 season, allowing all trans, intersex, non-binary players to decide for themselves whether to compete on men's or women's teams. So good on the Germans for doing that. (laughs) Moving on. Uh, moments after the U.S. Supreme Court voted to overturn Roe v. Wade, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton announced he was closing his office for a holiday. Why? To memorialize the occasion. He said uh, June 24th will be an annual Office of the Attorney General holiday in recognition of this momentous decision. Today I'm closing all my offices as a memorial to the millions of lives lost due to abortion. And that was What's Trending This Hour, What's Happening in Entertainment News. Thank God that's over. All right, right so let's... (laughs) Let's all take a collective breath together. 
I don't want to. Um, let's talk Britney Spears because you know we actually we spoke about um, Britney and the wedding and her ex, actually Jason Alexander. If you're not familiar, it was her. Uh, he was her first husband. Um, basically, he broke into her house. Literally, as the wedding was being, like, planned and everything, right, he walked through and was like, oh, I can be here, I can be here, and the security basically had to, well, security didn't even really chase him down. They kind of allowed him to walk through, which is kind of annoying. Um, Well, basically, um, (laughs) he's going to be in jail for a while. Uh, Britney Spears' ex, Jason Alexander, will stay in jail for attempting to crash the pop icon's wedding, according to a judge ruled during a, basically, a preliminary hearing on Monday. Uh, Jason's public defender argued that the felony stalking count against his client should be lessened to a misdemeanor because there was uh, insufficient evidence that Alexander was there to harm Brittany. I mean, he was on Instagram Live while he was breaking into her home, not saying he was going to do any harm to her, but like... Why was he there? Is this a PR stunt? The judge, however, disagreed and decided to hold um, basically him on all four charges. um, And that includes trespassing, vandalism, and battery. Mm. He remains behind bars um, with a $100,000 bill. And, of course, he arrived late to the hearing after being exposed to COVID-19. This guy just seems like he's the worst. The mess. Yeah, for sure. Um, Apparently, he's tried multiple times to open... Um, he tried multiple times to open Britney's locked bedroom door on the second floor while she was inside getting ready. Oh, uh, yeah, he was doing a lot. Can't, yeah, she should just have him, like, what's that? Oh, my God. What's the thing? I'm having a brain fart. To make sure he never could go near her. A restraining order? Restraining order. Yeah, but he's in jail, so he's not going to be able to get in. How long, though? What if he gets out? That, that was my whole story, is the fact that he's staying in jail for a while. But How long? All right, well, that's your team report. If you want to know more, head over to WeAreChannelQ.com. Thank you so much for asking the riveting questions. What's coming up next, though? I need to know. This is messed up. Keep the X's in, in the back. <laughs> Honestly, Jason, if you break out, just just come kidnap Chira. No. Take her. Leave Brittany along and take her. Oh, my Chira. God. Keep I'm them in the past. You. She's had a lot of sketchy people in her life. Next up, when is the right time to get a COVID booster shot? We have Dr. Amesh joining us to discuss that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. As Of course, as we know, COVID-19 vaccines continue to be highly effective at preventing hospitalization and death. It has become clear that it's not as effective with the new variant and wanes over time. So should you be getting the booster now or when? Joining us from Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security is Dr. Imesh Adalja. Thanks again for being here. I guess the question on everyone's minds is... Should we get the booster now or wait until the fall? It all depends on who's asking. Because if you're somebody that is high risk, maybe because you're elderly or you have diabetes or asthma, those types of people should be up to date with their boosters. And if it's time for them to get boosted, even though it's not the the best vaccine to keep getting boosted with in terms of its efficacy, it's still something you should do if you're at high risk for hospitalization. If you're an average risk person, somebody who doesn't have any uh, any conditions that put you at uh, in jeopardy of needing to be hospitalized, then I do think it's it's better to probably wait to get an updated vaccine if one if one appears in, in the fall if one is developed in the fall. So it really 
comes comes down to what your risk factors are for severe disease on the timing of the boosters. Yeah, I just wonder why we're still having, like, why is this question still being posed? Like, why are we still talking about it in this way? As if it feels like we're talking about it when the, the conversation first came up about getting your booster shot. Like, why are we still having these conversations, do you think? I think it's because the booster policy has been very muddled in the United States because I think I've been I've been one of the people that have thought that, that thought that boosters really should be targeted towards high risk individuals and that boosting healthy people to get a transient temporary benefit uh, against mild disease really didn't make sense but none of that was sort of articulated back in in the early days of the booster campaign and because of that I think there's a lot of confusion over who needs a booster what value do boosters have and the message of high risk people needing to be boosted is really diluted because every because you know you had the president talking about everybody getting a booster and we we have lower rates of boosting in people that are at high risk and then we've got younger people who have high rates of boosting who don't have those same risk factors so a lot of it got muddled because there just wasn't clear guidance and and clear uh messaging coming from the white house and the cdc do you think it'll just become like the flu shot, it'll be like you go to the doctor and you get the flu shot and the COVID shot. And then in the end, it means like you might get it, but you at least will get a, a lesser version of it, just like the flu. Is that what we're looking at moving I forward? I don't know that we can say that for sure, because we don't know what the frequency would be uh, in terms of how often you needed to be boosted if boosting is only for high risk people. All of those things remain to be seen in the next couple of days. There are going to be meetings uh, with public health experts at the government talking about what the optimal booster policy will be, whether or not there is a need to update the vaccines and all of that. So I think this is something that's still evolving. I don't think we have quite nailed it down yet. So basically, because we have this talk and you kind of answered this, obviously, I said both of us like, are you going to get the booster, Ryan? I'm getting it until I can't get it anymore. Is there a max or where what's healthy and not healthy? No, I just think that you have diminishing returns if you keep getting boosted with the same version of the of the vaccine and and you're at low risk for severe disease. So I think if you've got a high risk condition, uh you should be keeping up to date. Are they going to adjust it maybe so that with that you would get a new version of it? That's what's on the table that that both Pfizer and Moderna are thinking of updating the vaccine to include Omicron in, in the vaccine. And that would make sense because our current vaccines are not very good at preventing infection with Omicron. They're still very good at preventing serious illness, hospitalization and death. But if healthy people are wanting to get boosted or if you're interested in, in decreasing your chances of getting infected, you need a new version of the vaccine. Well, yeah, there, it seems like there are conversations about new vax, like vaccines like no, Novavax. Um, I don't know if you know much about that, but it seems like there are like kind of new companies coming up with newer versions of the vaccine. And you think about kind of that mix and matching of it all. And it's like, all right, what are you supposed to do? So there's a Novavax is a new vaccine that's not FDA approved yet, but on the cusp. But remember, it's still directed against the ancestral strain of COVID-19. What we're talking what I'm talking about in this situation with boosters is updating the vaccines to change the, the spike protein to make it more reflective of Omicron and less reflective of the ancestral strain from Wuhan. That's what we're talking about is changing the strains, not not all the different technologies that are out there between Moderna, Pfizer, J&J, Novavax, AstraZeneca, all of those. That's still they're all still directed against the old version of the virus. That's that's what this policy meeting in the next couple of days is going to be about is updating the vaccines to target more modern variants versus what was in the past. All right. Well, that was, again, Dr. Amesh Adalja from Johns Hopkins 
Center for Health Security. Thank you again. What's up next, Ryan? All right, so how can period tracking apps be used as evidence against you? I mean, something that everyone that uses one yeah, should probably be worried about. Coming up next, don't go anywhere. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. With 13 states poised to ban abortion after Friday's Supreme Court decision overturning the right to get one, well, many worry that data from period apps could become evidence of a crime. Some people are deleting the apps. Others are sending data uh, deletion requests to the companies that run them. Joining us to talk about this concern is technology reporter at The Washington Post, Tatum Hunter. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this was such an interesting uh, perspective because we always knew that technology um, was, you know, is always kind of following our data and, and following our daily lives. But when it comes to something like this, can you really break it down in the ways that are really worrying people right now? Absolutely. So I'm glad you noted that this concern is part of a much bigger concern about how much companies are allowed to gather about us. Um, and, and it really comes into sharp relief when you start talking about state-level abortion bans and period apps, um, which is, uh, if anyone isn't familiar, you know, they, it's like a digital calendar that people can use to track their uh, menstrual cycles and fertility. And um, it's a great example of a way that if, uh, if you were suddenly under investigation for, you know, seeking an abortion in secret, um, it would be pretty... Uh, black and white evidence that could be used against you. Um, And so, you know, people are wondering, should I delete it from my phone? Um, Is there a way to get the companies to delete this data from their servers? And um, are there other are there other digital sources of data that I should be worried about? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I use the Flow app. Obviously, I'm in California, so I'm assuming I don't need to be worried. But yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, should we be doing this nationwide or just in the states where this is happening? I think that um, it depends on how much how you know how much you value your privacy when it comes to your menstruation, fertility, um, and your health. You know, um, not, a lot of these apps have privacy policies that do not read you know like your healthcare providers. They read like mm-hmm. a digital app, yeah. um, which means that they have a lot of leeway to share the data um, that you put in. And I think, you know, I think that this is maybe getting better um, and there are some apps that are better than others, but um, especially for people in states where uh, abortion, you know, they could find themselves under investigation for a criminal abortion. Um, this this is the sort of data that you would want to guard from law enforcement or uh, anyone in your life who might share it with law enforcement. Yeah, and I, I feel like the the point of this conversation is not to say we need to get rid of technology, but it's important to try to find the apps that are actually focused on our safety. And so, do those apps even exist? Are they are there screen safe apps? Yes, um, there is an app called Yuki. Um, that is known for having a great, um, you know, privacy policy or appears to have good privacy practices. Um, and, and I think it's also really one thing we're finding as we research this is that experts say that the biggest threat is still the people in your life, your family, your neighbors, your intimate partner, um, and and not, you know, some some data broker, some shadowy data broker that the police are going to subpoena for your data. So keep in mind that um, if you're worried about this app collecting your data, that it should also be because, you know, people in your immediate circle could access it. So sketchy. 
Well, what what options are there? And I know you include some in your article as well, besides the app, like your your own manual stuff you could do. Yeah, I mean, good old fashioned pen and paper, um, a password protected Excel sheet, um, a digital calendar um, like your, you know, like the one on your smartphone. Uh, you can um, you can use emojis or code words if you don't feel comfortable saying, you know, this is the first day of my fertility. Um, and so there, if, if tracking your period is useful for your life, it's not necessary to stop. But unfortunately, I think it's becoming necessary to think about that, you know, once something is digitized, it's so difficult to keep track of where it ends up. Yeah. And realistically, I mean, it seems like the worst case scenario is, you know, being pulled into court and them asking, pulling your data from your phone. Like, like subpoena how, you like or how, something? How yeah. realistic is that happening? You know, and I know this is like, you know, this is because of the news that is coming out and that's, that's had like a lot of the worries. But before that, I mean, how realistic is it for you to be subpoenaed or, and like your information data wise be pulled into the uh, court hearing? Yeah, so there is precedent for you know, women's personal data from their from their devices like a laptop or a cell phone um, being used in court cases when they're being tried for an abortion. Um, and and uh, like just as a one data point is that Google as a company received 40,000 requests from lawmakers in the first half of wow. 2021 or, or from government entities um, data requests. And, and another thing I've learned is just how frequent it is for police um, to use mobile device forensic tools, which is, you know, a tool that they use to analyze the data on your mobile device when they're investigating crimes. It could include stuff like marijuana and graffiti. You know, one um, one report that I read was explaining. So I think um, I think people tend to really underestimate how much law enforcement has come to rely on digital sources of evidence. Wow. Thank you so much for breaking all of this down. It's really been some eye-opening news, um, and I hope everyone listening learned something mm-hmm. from this because we really appreciated your work. Uh, once again, technology reporter for uh, Washington Post, Tatum Hunter. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. All right. What's coming up next? Well, moving on, this gay man is getting mocked by his boyfriend for doing, quote-unquote, gay stuff. Our thoughts next. Oh, I would love to hear your mm-hmm. thoughts. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Are you ready for a Reddit user who posted something kind of awkward to this Ask Gay Bros subreddit? I feel bad for this person. I want to know what you think. Yeah, okay. Walk me through this. This person said, and by the way, I think you'd be better at maybe giving this person advice than I would. Just say the damn story. My boyfriend (laughs) mocks me for doing quote-unquote gay stuff. Every time I pick up a blow dryer, I'm getting bad looks from my BF. He also got mad when he found out I'm using a conditioner. I think it's. I think everyone should be. So he got mad at you for basic hygiene. <laughs> Last night I was putting on moisturizer on my arms, and he got up from bed, told me that it stinks, and left the room. In the morning, he told me that it didn't smell bad. He just couldn't handle me putting on a moisturizer. I mean, how do you handle this? I don't even know well, if this. Tell is, your boyfriend. Yeah. Guess what? Newsflash: He does anal sex, which makes him inherently gay. Newsflash: He's probably put a penis or two in his mouth. He's a he's a homosexual. Newsflash, basic hygiene is not gay. Well, yeah, this seems like pretty normal stuff. I mean, I did this with my boyfriend yesterday. Did he? I mean, honestly, I feel like Chris has better hygiene than you do. That is not fair. No, no, but it's not. 
I just want to be clear about, you know, Actually, what we no, want. because he goes in the shower and just rinses off and I use soap. Uh-oh, oh, here that, you go. Is that a flex? Was that a brag <laughs> on your end that your boyfriend doesn't use soap? Sometimes. Who, who, who wanted this equation? I don't know. It sounds like you're both losing. At any rate, <laughs> going back to this, it seems like... <laughs> It seems like you need a breakup because this person's uh, lame. Yeah. Whoever judges you and overanalyzes you makes you feel like you need to walk on, on eggshells, out. Yeah, for sure. That's that's exactly it. And also, I think your your boyfriend has some internalized homophobia that he needs to work through. There you go. And I don't think you need to be on call for that. No. Give him a therapist, not a relationship. Well, coming up next on the show... We really need to stay about the, the brag that she dropped in the middle <laughs> no, of this it's, conversation. No, it's, it's not part of the convo. <laughs> I, I am not a Reddit user asking for advice. I was just you throwing in... You offered that information. Some info. When no one needed to know it. <laughs> coming up, more top of the hour news, including Rudy Giuliani getting slapped at a grocery store. <sighs> Who is being dramatic in this case? Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, welcome back to the show. More music coming up right here on Channel Q. Right now we're getting into some of the headlines you need to know. Mm -hmm. We're also talking about emotional exhaustion and how to support... I can barely see it. I'm so exhausted. And how to support yourself and your friends as well through it. And that is in 15 minutes or so. Uh, Plus... We have a star's son who did something a bit sketchy. Ryan's got that tea in a moment. Oh, I sure do. Now that you reminded me. (laughs) (laughs) See, you seem to be emotionally exhausted as well. We're all emotionally exhausted. I have have so many reasons to be emotionally exhausted. I think we all do. Yeah. uh, Everyone has their own thing. (laughs) Anyway, let's get into some headlines, shall we? What's trending this hour? Rudy Giuliani was slapped on the back by a worker at a shop right on Staten Island on Sunday while campaigning for his son. Here is the video that has been circulating. It's surveillance video that shows the interaction. About a third of the way through, I got hit on the back as if a boulder hit me. Uh, It knocked me forward a step or two. Uh, It didn't knock me down, uh, but it hurt tremendously um so that video to preface yes yeah, so also a clip to that. of like what actually happened yeah because it's Ju- uh, rudy i said it's i was gonna say judy it's rudy <laughs> alongside the actual footage um and that was uh something actually reposted to the recount but he was being interviewed about it and you know this is going this is making the rounds and Republicans are saying that this was, you know, a threat to his life. And it's like, this is not right. We don't encourage or support any sort of violence, but it's also, let's not, let's not go to the extremes. Now I thought, um, when I first saw, um, like just saw the headline on this, I thought somebody was really going to smack him. Like I thought they like actually like smacked the mess out of him, but it seems like it was a pat on the back and maybe because of how bad, bad his back is, maybe that's what caused it. That's not them hitting you. That's just old age. (laughs) I mean, a hit is a hit. Um, they it said, was not a hit. Did you watch the video, Karen? Looking. 
<laughs> oh yeah, it's it's but it's it's, it's attack. It's a bit of a push, it was attack. But they also said it's obviously something that doesn't like it him. It was literally attack. The person said you're you're one of the people who's gonna kill women. You're gonna kill women, which is and it was not a tap. Wrong. It wasn't a hit. It was a tap. Um, yes. It, it, I don't know the force, but it was uh, a you back can literally back see tap. the force. <laughs> Wow. But also, it was used as ammunition wow, of sorts sure. from the rights. Wow. When it was, as you mentioned, not that intense, <laughs> but it looked like it possibly, you know, gave him a little bit of a, what's it called, that breath. Just say like, you feel bad for Rudy. No, and you're, you're I'm not a sympathizer. Well. I'm not a Rudy sympathizer. Just, just <laughs> okay, moving on. California Governor Gavin Newsom, along with other senators, were able to reach an agreement on the framework for the 2022-2023 state budget. It includes a $17 billion inflation relief package, will offer tax refunds to millions of working Californians. 23 million Californians will also benefit from direct payments. Cha-ching! In your account, up to $1,050. The package will also include a suspension of the state sales tax on diesel and additional funds to help people pay their rent and utility bills. Very cool. Now, moving on to the New York County Supreme Court, who found that Yeshiva University, a Jewish university, was in violation of the city's human rights laws by denying the YU Pride Alliance recognition and equal accommodations. The Pride Alliance chose to take the case to court after repeated denials of recognition by the university's administration. And then the judge ordered the university grant advantages, facilities and privileges afforded to all other students to the LGBTQ plus group, rejecting the claims that YU had no obligation to do this because it is a religious corporation. So I'm happy that the judge did this and the LGBTQ plus folks in this Jewish community are getting recognized like they deserve. That was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Oh, my God. So Ben Affleck's 10-year-old, oh, my God, crashed a Lamborghini. It's time for the TV report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So this little bad, well, I don't want to say he's bad, but he's bad for being in this little. uh, He's a youngster. How old is he? He's 10. He is 10. He's gotten himself into a little mischief by jumping into the driver's seat of a very expensive Lamborghini. And with the engine running, he put it in reverse and made contact with another car. So Ben and J-Lo, they basically went uh, exotic car shopping. And they were looking at various cars when Ben actually let his son hop into the driver's seat of a yellow Lambo. Maybe to be like, oh, you want to see what it feels like driving a Lambo? Well, it seems like... um, Someone left the car running, <laughs> uh-uh. and the boy put the Lambo in reverse. And it seems that oh uh, when it made con, it basically made contact with the white uh, BMW. Now, from the video, it seems like the rear bumper of the passenger side of the Lambo made contact with the BMW's front wheel and possibly the fender. It's hard to tell from pics, but Sam jumped out of the Lambo and went to the back to inspect damages. Apparently, a rep for uh, for Ben told TMZ that there was no damage and everyone is okay. Um, but like, why would you let him get in the front seat of the driver's seat of this Lambo? I mean, the only way you would ever do that. Yeah. It's like completely off and you're like, here, here, sit, including at least own it. It's not like someone else's car. And my thing is they probably could have just like bought the car outright in that moment too. So it's kind of like that. No big deal. But like still somebody could have been hurt. Yeah. That was sketchy. Yeah. Anyway. That's your tea report, though. That was a fun little Ben Benefer story. Yes. Benefer and I loved, I loved them in their chronicles of being like these, this well-blended family. Exactly. The kid looks a lot like the uh, Ben's wife. Yeah, Jennifer Garner. Yeah. The other Jennifer. Oh. 
Yeah. I just never, that's the first time that actually came to my mind. Like, well, Jennifer, that's always awkward. You have an, a new person that's the same as your ex. I'm so happy you're finally going oh, through these God. emotions. I would, I don't know. Has that ever happened to you? No. Like, where you, then you'd be, you know, in the moment being like, blah, blah, blah. And it'd be the name of the person. Triggering. I can't. Okay, next up. Perfect segue to our next topic. We all get emotionally exhausted. <laughs> we often look to friends for support. But how do we do it without exhausting our friends, too? Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, being a good friend on top of everything else can seem like an uphill battle when you're running on empty. As they say, it's hard to fill from uh, someone else's cup from an empty cup. Is that, I, I, I'm not sure if those it's are the hard, words. Uh, it's but I hard get the to. Message. What is it? It's if you. It's hard to just uh, do the oxygen mask one. Like that's every true. plane does. They say put your oxygen mask on before you. That's true Put the too. next person's on. So how can you be a good friend while also being good to yourself? Ali Volpe joins us right now, senior reporter at Vox. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. What's the saying? It's hard to. Why would that be her from first an empty question. cup? Maybe she don't know. No, I know she knows. <laughs> I was going to Google it real quick, but then I like <laughs> ran out of time. <laughs> All right. So let's get into this. What if you're the one everyone wants to lean on, but you're having a tough time? What steps can you take? Yeah. I mean, I think this is something people are like going through a lot. Everyone's going through a million things. The world is kind of on fire right now. Um, so I think that something that's really important is to like set boundaries with the people that we love. Because of course we want to be there for each other, but we just can't sometimes. And I think it could be as simple as like telling your friends, like, I love you. Nothing is wrong with our relationship. I just need some space right now because I need to work on me and I want to be there for you. And to be there for you, I need to be my best self. Yeah, and that's so true. And I, I think, you know, oftentimes, normally, if you're kind of that strong, that, that perceived strong friend, it's already difficult for you to even ask for support. So it's like, how do you even get to that moment without reaching your breaking point where you're then like, oh, well, I have nothing left to give, so I have to. How can you, like, know that it's coming and then, you know, yeah. ask for support in the middle of it coming before you get burnt out? Yeah, I think it's so hard to know what our limits are because we feel like we want to keep going, going, going and help as many of our people as possible. Um, but I think it comes with like knowing ourselves. Like if we know that like, oh, we have to help our parents clean this weekend and that's really draining for us, maybe like we shouldn't be planning something like with our friends immediately after or like knowing that we need to support someone immediately after doing something that's draining. Um, just like being aware of like what our limits are and like how that falls on the spectrum of our responsibilities, because of course, you know, you don't want to get too exhausted and you have to, you know, all of a sudden take your kids to sports practice and you're too tired to do that. So I think it's like mapping out all of our social responsibilities and knowing like what things drain us the most and kind of being strategic with scheduling ourselves out that way. I know it's not like sexy or glamorous, but just knowing where we need to put a lot of our energy um, and being intentional around who we spend our time with. Definitely. And sometimes that means, and I do this, like scheduling out time to connect, whether it be with close friends or like new friends that want to connect. Sometimes it's like, this is just too much of a stressful time. It's not going to be fun for me to connect with you in this space that I'm in. Right. So it might need to be next month. And then if they like, for me, I message someone and I'll say like, do you need support right now? Is there something I could help you with? Are you like in need right now? Otherwise I would love to like have more time with you maybe like in a 
a month. Like that's what I do because I feel like I'm honest and that's at least what helps me instead of maybe ignoring someone or being MIA. (laughs) Yeah, I think if we're like as upfront as possible with people, like you can't fault anyone for saying like, I'm not feeling my best and I need to recharge. I think using those I statements, like no one can argue with that. Well, what about if people deem you a bad friend? Because everyone, I think a lot of times people are like, well, we're all going through things. Well, so what makes your your stuff more important than my stuff? Totally. I mean, that's always the fear because, like, you don't want someone to turn around and be like, well, I need you right now, too. I think there's also, you know, we can hold space for others when, like, we are also feeling terrible. We can, like, mutually come together and be like, I know you're going through a really rough time right now. I am, too. Like, let's sit in our misery together. Like, we don't really need to offer advice to each other. Or, you know, do anything besides hold space and be a a sympathetic ear. We don't need to, you know, provide guidance or advice. And hopefully, you know, our our friends will be just okay with that. With, you know, let's sit in our misery together. And that's all we can offer each other right now. Or else maybe you shouldn't be friends with them now. Um, What about if you're the person that has a lot going on? And, I mean, how, how do you make sure that you're not overdoing it with your friends, like dumping everything on them? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. Like, I I just think, like, we need to have some sort of self-awareness of, you know, what we're asking of people. Because one person can't be our all, whether that's, like, our partner or our best friend. Like, we can't just have one person be the person. So I think being mindful of who we're, you know, quote-unquote, dumping all of our baggage on. Um, If you know, you know, one person gives really good advice when it comes to work, they can be the person you go to for work troubles or someone else who's really good with relationship advice. They can be the person you go to for love stuff. Um, Just taking stock of, like, everyone's strengths and making sure you're not, you know, constantly going to one person. And then I think, I don't know about you, Ryan, for me, I know therapy helped with that because it's like, okay, if I have like that at least once a week or once every two weeks, someone I could like just vent to that is there to listen, that isn't, you know what I mean? Like, then I get it out of my system. Or there's like, yeah, if you have a partner or someone you're really close to, you feel like that's safe to do, then that helps also instead of like leaning on your friends in that way. Oh, yeah. Like therapy is the best. Everyone should be in therapy. Like they're professionals for a reason. (laughs) Totally. Well, we appreciate you for joining us for this very important topic that I think a lot of us are going through right now. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that was Ali Volpe, senior reporter at Vox. What's coming up next, Ryan? Woo! I feel like this next conversation is going to be really Uh a good one because is the idea of the one that got away harming us in our ideas of romance? I think it is. Coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. You know, have you ever had that one person that you dated, it didn't really work out, and um, I guess they were kind of that that one that that got away? Maybe you were that one that got away. You know, just saying, I'm the one that got away. you. (laughs) You know I am. You know it. I don't say I'm perfect, but I have been the one that has gotten away. You know, I've been the one that has gotten away. Okay. Why don't you sound like it's you believe that? <laughs> why did that sound like you? It was very believable for you to be the one that got away, but why did it sound well, like I, I was the one? You know, because maybe because I've been in more relationships than you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so that's me. But I still was the one that got now away. Now I want to know who, but we can't say names here. No, he knows who he is. Oh, I know. It's 
I yeah. know who it is. He knows who he is. Okay. What about you, producer Shelby? Have you been the one that got away? I'd say so. Oh, and are we all just narcissists? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, that's the thing is, I look back at all my relationships, and while I say like I reminisce or I have nostalgia for them. I don't ever feel like I regret or like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe it could have worked because then it's like, but it didn't. That's not reality. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the thing. That's the point of this conversation because there was a really beautiful Vogue, um, like UK piece that came out talking about it's time to stop romanticizing the one that got away. And I do think there's something to be said about that in the ways that I've heard it being talked about. Like the first time I heard that is that the, it's someone who is for like, I guess the person that's saying, oh, this person was the one that got away was like, they ended up messing up. Mm. Either like, maybe it was some infidelity or maybe they just didn't treat the person right. And when they were in the relationship and then they, after the the, the guy got away or like, or the person um, left them, got into a whole other relationship, then they have these feelings of like, oh my God, that was the one like that got away from me. Yeah. Well, you should have just done right and acted right <laughs> in the beginning. So for me, I have to agree with this idea of like, we shouldn't be romanticizing this because it's not cute. It's not okay to, I mean, it's okay to, I guess, feel regret at times, but it's also not okay to be like, this is something like cute. Oh, we should talk about the one that got away. Here's the thing. I actually, yeah, I agree. I think it's actually really unhealthy it's a toxic trait it's very unhealthy if you are stuck on that one person you were with that you messed up or whatever someone messed up then you need to like let go of the past and learn from your mistakes Mm -hmm. and move on right you are stuck in a a situation that you can't redo Mm -hmm. so imagine how much of your life you are missing right now or the possibility of someone that you could actually be with because you're romanticizing about the one that got away I was going to say that prevents you from looking forward. So then does that mean this whole time when you're trying to find someone new, you are just not going to yes. drop this past person and not be happy because you're not letting yourself be yes. happy? But I also think there are different situations where it's not a case of someone messing up per se. There was a case that I was like, oh, I kind of let go of this person. They could have been the one, blah, blah, blah. But that was just because I didn't give them the chance that I should have. Mm. Um, it's not that anyone necessarily messed up or is a bad situation. Um, it was just for that time and that moment yeah, y'all weren't there supposed was just, to be there. There was just too much happening at once for me and I stepped away and then I, I look back constantly. I'm like, they'll message me passively oh. once every few months and yeah. I'll be like, dang, that could have been something. So that's interesting. If, the, if your person... If y'all, let's say that you had a one that got away, mm-hmm. if that was your person, if they hit you up today in this moment was like, I want you back, I'm so sorry, or like not even apologizing, just saying, I want you back. Actually, there's someone that I think about that has done that to me. You know who. Okay. I can't say it. Who we... What's their first letter start name? <laughs> M. M? Say his name. Say <laughs> well, no, there is one. I always wonder if my partner's listening to the show. because he sneaks up and listens. No, M, as we'll call him, mm-hmm. would always come into my life when I was in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How convenient. I know. When I'm not available. Mm-hmm. And then at, be like, I'm in love with you. We're meant to be together. And I always felt like... I mean, he was hella rich, too. Oh. I, mm-hmm. I, think, that, I think that's the reason why mm-hmm. he's the one that <laughs> it's this idea I romantic, but I, I did be- because of everything I romanticized it. We yeah. did have like a moment in time where it was like a really amazing thing, and we always I think on both of our ends thought, oh maybe we were the one from for each other that got away. Yeah. But then there was a clear moment, right, a clear path to say, hey, we're both 
Single. Yeah, we're both single or we're both like kind of coming out of a relationship or wanting kind of to relieving our relationships. And we see the future. We're at a certain age where, you know, at that point you need to decide what you want to do. Right. This is a time we have the shot. And he just didn't take it. He didn't take mm-hmm. it when, you know, push came to shove. And there, you know, there's probably reasons, but timing is everything. And then it's like, what was I supposed to do? Was I supposed to wait for this idea of someone that I've never really experienced? But like these fault, these promises versus yeah. being with someone who I'm now with who's shown and, up for me and proven themselves. And I think that's the interesting part about the one that got away because I feel like it all, it also kind of comes back to like how you view your worth. Mm-hmm. Like how you view yourself, and like it, for me, a lot of times I didn't want to even break up with my like ex because I felt like I wasn't going to be able to get anyone else, no matter yeah. how badly I was being treated, right? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes when you think about that, or you're so focused on the one that got away or that person, you're literally you're saying that you're not worthy of, worthy of anything or anyone else that could have been better than that situation. Totally, and I think that is a, a, a actual red flag about the work that you have to do with yourself. Exactly. Don't just blame it on the one that got away. Yeah. Blame it on, (laughs) in the process, the you that got away. Ew. I hate you. (laughs) You, her mic. I saw it I think she needs to be the one that got away. (laughs) Immediately. (laughs) All right. Well, next up, this is going to get dark. What this subway employee did to get them killed on the job. It's weird. This is twisted. Terrible. Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. And they will go this far one, to get this angry over mayo to then shoot someone because they didn't get what they want? Come on. You think that is because of and what's also happening that, in America? And gun reform. It's just a person who loves mayo and probably freaked out or hates well, mayo. I think that they he definitely have a, a problem. But that doesn't mean like it's, oh, because the world, the weight of the world is holding well, heavy think, on their shoulders. They obviously over don't have subway? any sort of um, emotional when management. When I'm depressed, I'm not going to a subway. I'm going to like get grease and and all the things that I need to like not make me depressed. The owner said, "Believe it or not, it was about too much mayonnaise on his sandwich." I mean, they had an argument. I understand that mayonnaise can be a little overwhelming. The customer shot two subway employees. I don't know. There's so many layers of issues, as I mentioned here, and I do think it has to do. It's like with you want to have a red table talk discussion and just let it be what it is. Mental health issues. Access to guns. You have a mental health issue if you are shooting someone over mayonnaise. I mean, not necessarily. You just maybe have an anger issue. Yes, mental health. That's not necessarily anger management, emotional management. Figure it out. None of us in this room are psychologists to be like. This is just. I don't think you need to be a psychologist to assume this. It's just mayo. Someone says I and uh, this person, Glenn, in the um, in the article, Willie Glenn, the owner, said. I don't know what the world is coming to, especially with our youth. They seem to be so hot-headed. Everybody wants to carry a gun. Everyone wants to scare somebody with a gun. It's scary out here. I wonder what the interaction was. Like, was the person that was making his sandwich, because, you know, sometimes Subway folks can be a little rude. Be careful what you say. It's true. Be careful what you say. Because you were a former Subway person, I was a senior sandwich artist. A sandwich artist. Yes. Are wow. you proud of that? I, I, I won employee of the year. Of course I you did. I got a trophy. Wow. I got a do you still have it? I do. It's in my mom's basement I am on, honestly honored that we have the yes. senior employee of the month. At a small town Ohio subway. <laughs> but imagine, it, 
If this Did you have customers this angry? Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about. People would get so angry about the most minute things. Lack it's of minute for you, but not for them. Meatballs. Yeah, because they have issues. Really? <laughs> pastrami. The two things people get the most angry about are meatballs and pastrami. Ew. I'm like, go to the hat for I pastrami. Would not want go that. You have issues Arby's. if this is your biggest thing in life. Yeah. But usually it's because there's a lot of things in life they put it out on the subway person. Yeah, yeah I don't know. It's just like... Why are you? I just work here. I don't okay. make rules. I just so work here. So let's take the gun violence out of it. Well, that's I know. What would you? What would get you so angry that you just kind of exploded? What name one? Oh, I thing. have things I'm a bit anal about, but I don't explode. Let's preface. Oh, only to you. Now. Okay, what? No, I, I I don't like too much milk in my um es- cappuccino espresso. Like if I ask for a dash or an americano. <laughs> And you make it into a latte. If I ask for a cappuccino, you make it into a latte. I'm not going to get, like, I, I have, um, I, I deal with my emotions. But I will go back because I don't like it being milky. It's like the Producer the worst Shelby, thing. what about you? I'm, I'm passive. I just take a lot of stuff. You take really? It. Yeah. You take it as you get it. Yeah. I, Girl, you got to fix that. I, you got to fix that. It would take a lot for me. It would have to be, like, the worst day ever and then something to happen so, for me I have to a question. burst. She's going to blow up on what's us What's the day? thing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> No. I, so wait, but what's the thing that you wish you would say something about that you get it and you're like, oh, but I'm not going to because oh, I, you're I doing think, that. I think what we, is it? we both align on this one. What's the food thing? It's not. It's, I thought we were talking about food. Oh, we are. I'm about to talk yeah, about it's food. It's loud chewing. <laughs> but that's not food. That's not ordering. That is food. That's food. That is food, You Shira. don't understand. It's, it, I wonder if there's someone in the studio that is a loud chewer. You know what? So I am guilty of loud chewing. <laughs> Um, sometimes if I'm rushing, I, w- I have eaten with my mouth open. Never, However, you're this not is rushing the thing. when you're sitting here it's working rush. on the working yeah, and I'm before to get the show. The next thing. Rushing no. has nothing to do with you, it. You have <laughs> literally given me all types of excuses. <laughs> Shira said maybe there's an echo in my no, brain. There is. I will there's check. an echo in my head. <laughs> there's oh, an echo oh, in my no. head. Oh, and no. that's I can't help it to chew. You're doing a test here. No, no we don't need no, no to do a chew. The test is I'm gonna be chewing with my mouth closed. Okay? This is me. Wait, but this is a me. carrot is not a good example. <laughs> this is oh. me chewing with my mouth open. Okay. Oh. All right. The worst thing I've ever right. heard. Oh, d- why'd you spit it out? Why didn't you just swallow it? And this is me chewing with my mouth closed. See? Okay, first of all, you're, this is ASMR now. This is yeah. a mic. This but is you not, see, there's still an issue. When, I make sounds either no, way. You no, you, you like you literally, and it's like one of the worst things. If you were ever in like one of our family's homes, that would probably be the biggest no-no is to like mm-hmm. smack your food. I'm surprised I'm in this many relationships because they're obviously <laughs> Well, my- you did just brag about your boyfriend not using soap. So I wonder <laughs> what this means. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law.
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Welcome back to the show. And yes, it's Shira and Ryan here. And hope you're enjoying that music here on Channel Q. More to come. Right now, we're getting into some more show. We're going to be talking about period tracking apps and the latest after the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Why many people are concerned. That's in 30 minutes. Plus, what unhinged thing MGK said this time coming up in the T-Report. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Several Democrats have called for additional seats to be added to the nine-member court, which currently has six to three conservative majority. These lawmakers include representatives Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, Mundere Jones, and Senators Ed Markey and Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts. Who? Elizabeth Massachusetts. Massachusetts. <laughs> Massachusetts. There you go. It's like my Tuesday, you know. <laughs> Here's what White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre told reporters. I was asked this question yesterday, and I've been asked it before, and I think the president himself about do, uh, about expanding the court. That is something that the president does not uh, agree with. Uh, that is not something that he, he wants to do. It'd be interesting to know the strategy behind this, but I guess they don't want to show their cards. Huh. You know, if only it- that worked. I don't even know. Yeah, what works? Because, yeah, the, the other side is doing the evil thing they do. And we're just there. And they're winning. Evil. I still believe evil won't win. I it can't. appreciate you. It can't win. Right? There needs to be something that actually makes sense to get people doing the right thing. Well, how about you talk to your fellow white women? Because 53% of y'all started all of this. I can't. It's too <laughs> overwhelming. <laughs> White Let me do a white woman saying, rally. I believe it. I Let believe. Me. Let me start. You know, they're On also the saying a lot of people, movie. a lot of people are starting to move out of the U.S. or those states. And the issue is then it just gives them more ammo. Right. Gives them more power. What do you do in this case? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm about to just like close my eyes and just pick Go a to spot that, take on a the nap. globe. <laughs> and then that's where I'm going. I I'm hope that you are a bit choose. more selective. Nope. You might end up back in the U.S. What if your point (laughs) you point back at the U.S. You know, moving on uh, to Texas. Moments after the U.S. Supreme Court voted to overturn Roe v. Wade, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton announced he was closing his office for a holiday to memorialize the occasion. Yep, June 24th, he said, will be an annual office of the Attorney General holiday in recognition of this momentous occasion. And he said, it's a memorial to the millions of lives lost due to abortion. Moving on to some good news from the German Football Association, who issued new regulations and rules governing all trans, intersex, and non-binary players. The governing soccer body passed this new regulation takes effect at the start of the upcoming 2022-2023 season, allowing all trans, intersex, and non-binary players to decide for themselves whether to compete on men's or women's teams. How about that? Well, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, gosh. Well, I guess we have to talk about uh, MGK um, because MGK uh, is uh, seemingly not okay in his new documentary where he is unfortunately telling us all his business when no one asks. But I guess that's the point of a documentary, huh? 
Yeah, it's time for your team report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Let's talk about it. So, apparently, he was like going through some dark times back in July 2020. You know, you know that time where everyone's going through a dark time, right? Mm-hmm. Well, especially him. And, you know, he was reflecting on um, of his father who died. Um, and it, I guess it was the one year anniversary of his Hotel Diablo album release. And he said, I wouldn't leave my room. I started getting really, really dark. Megan went to Bulgaria to shoot a movie and I started getting this really wild paranoia. Like I kept uh, getting paranoid that someone was going to kill, come and kill me. So trigger warning for what I'm about to say next, because it is really intense. He goes on to say... Um, that he would always sleep with a shotgun next to his bed. And he said, just effing snap that day. He said, I called Megan. I was like, you aren't here for me. I'm in my room and I'm like freaking out. He then says he put the shotgun in his mouth. Wow. Which is another thing. You know, their relationship, Megan and uh, MGK, they talked about drinking each other's blood. They talked about doing all these kind of ritual-esque type of things Mm. in the relationship. But this just feels like their relationship's based off of some traumatic, toxic stuff that does not seem healthy for either of them. And there's children involved. And particularly, there may be a, like a, a queer kid involved, which Megan has talked openly about having a queer um, like mm-hmm. child who is like kind of yeah, you know fluid. existing in between the yeah. gender lines. And so for me, this feels really wild because he says he almost, um, apparently he says, as I go to, you know, cock the shotgun and the bullet, as it comes back up, the shell gets jammed. Megan's silent on the phone. And I'm just like, he's like, that's when I decided something was wrong. That's when you decided something was wrong? He shouldn't do it? Well, yeah, he, I mean, he talked know, about like, he needed help and he needed oh, to kick that. the drugs and all these things. And well, how are you speaking out about it? Because there's probably someone out there that's gone through the same thing. Or I mean, the more people talk openly about this, it is obviously triggering. You know, I feel like better, that was. But... I feel like that's okay to say if this was back in like 2006, where mental health talk conversations were taboo. But I feel like there's a lot of people having conversations about this, but not as intense. And then also giving us a clue about kind of like adding another layer to their already like intense relationship it has me a little worried not gonna lie i don't want to project any judgments but like girl there's a lot there it seems like i mean i wonder if she's the the more stable one in this relationship i don't know and maybe instead of doing documentaries maybe just like put all that money into therapy i'm I'm sure someone else paid for this i don't know (laughs) but yeah yeah, i don't know it's like instead of paying me for a documentary can you pay to get me some help can we shoot that's, that though? Can we get? Insane. Can we shoot that? We'll document that though. That's how messed up we are, <sighs> right? right? Hulu's like or Netflix like we'll make it. We'll do a follow therapy follow follow shot. That's your team report. <laughs> Thanks so much for being here. <laughs> Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, we're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the day. Yeah. Yes, Queen. This one goes to a ninth grader in Mission, Texas. We know that's not an easy place to live. Who's bringing a queer youth conference to his rural hometown after winning a $10,000 grant from the nonprofit It Gets Better Project. Oh, yay. This uh, person's name is Mars Gamas. And he said that he was inspired to apply for one of the LGBTQ advocacy groups, 50 States, 50 Grants, 5,000 Voices Initiative. And how old is he? He is a ninth grader, 14 years old, wow. young, yeah. 14, I was writing in my journal about how much I hated life. And he's applying for grants. There you go. Absolutely beautiful. Well, he learned about it from his club advisor, and he saw the program advertised online, which shows how important it is to have teachers that support the community and how that can inspire others to 
to do their thing and, and help other people in their community. The domino effect. So we're really proud of this 14-year-old for doing that and doing something really great for everyone. I mean, a queer youth conference so needed right now to come together. Mm-hmm. And that is our Yaz Queen yes, of the Day. Yes, Queen. Yes. Hey, double, double trouble here. And that also does it for our show today. Oh, my God. Happy Monday. I'm never sure if I should say, oh, my God, or oh, my gosh. I mean, it depends on who you believe in. Do you think it's blasphemous for you to say God? No, I'm just trying to be, I guess, somewhat respectful. To who? (laughs) I'm just making sure it's all good. You are the only person that worries about being PC when there's literally no reason (laughs) to worry about being PC. Well, that wraps up our show for the second time today. I wonder what's coming up (laughs) next, Producer Shelby. Uh, Tomorrow, uh, we are going to dig in these trigger laws, what they are, where they're coming up, what's happening in Louisiana. Um, And then we also have a doctor joining us. Uh, He just graduated from a program that teaches healthcare professionals how the unique healthcare needs and disparities um, come up for the the queer community and this is something that I think all doctors should be doing so hopefully he can tell us some information about this program and like hopefully it's coming up in in more practices across the country love that thank you producer Shelby of course and if you miss any of our shows or interviews we post everything as a podcast to share yes we've been doing that Shelby I realize I love it I love this new thing just go to the Odyssey app where our podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay and have a beautiful rest of the day. Stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris Wright after this where he's talking about top behaviors that lead to divorce. Next. Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.